0: Hi, and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Melissa Dunbar, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here.
1: I'm very excited to be here. It's, it's a joy. Thank you.
0: <laughs> My absolute pleasure. What can I say? I've known you for such a long time, but I've been dying to get into this because you've had a really fascinating career um, building up your business. And I know we got a little taste of it at the She's the Boss lunch yesterday. You were telling us about your 16th anniversary. Sweet 16.
1: Sweet 16. Oh no, and kiss too many great. frogs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a proud moment, though, when you do have a business last a long time because there's a heap of them that don't. So, you know, huge congratulations.
1: Thank you. It's really interesting. I think sometimes when you're so far in it, you don't necessarily, you, you certainly don't step back often, but um, I've had a couple of new staff in the last year or so and uh, dare I say it, they're senior. So, you know, they're around our age yeah. and a couple of them have made some comments along the, the um, longevity of the business and I've never considered it like that and, and the reputation that you've built and yada yada. And I'm like, yeah, okay, well, thank you. You know, it's time yes, just to stop and say on the thank the back, you. Girl. <laughs> All
0: right, so let's. I'm not going to introduce you. You can introduce yourself. So, tell me, what is it that you do? Well, yeah, what is it that you do and why, I guess, is my first question for you. Yeah. so A nice small one to start us off. Just, a, just
1: <laughs> yeah, start from the very beginning.
0: What is Yeah, start from the very beginning. No, no, I'm going to ask you about your entrepreneurial journey later. So yeah. just tell us right now what your business is and what it does and why.
1: So uh, Big Fish Events Group is my, I suppose, the parent company, if you like. So I'm in, I'm in the world of events. But if you ask me what my job title was... Of course, I have to say founder and CEO, but in the events world, I'm a producer, an event producer. And okay. it's it's more of an old fashioned term or a theatre term, if you like. But the reason that I prefer to be referred to as an event producer or really truly think that's what I do versus an event manager is that um, event producers are really responsible for telling stories. They're responsible for making sure that every moment that you develop and design in an event is about connecting humans. And humans connect best around stories so um, and tell me
0: a, a producer has a slightly creative role as well so it's not like you're managing other people doing the creative you're actually that's part of
1: it absolutely well as the producer you really are the creative so um, right. it's it's understood if you come from theater um you know the theater background um, and in events really um, event managers they can be you know operational um, and structured but not a yeah. lot of creativity potentially goes into that type of role. Um, and it's it's been, I suppose it's a point of difference for Big Fish anyway, from from the sort of start. Um, the why is really interesting. And I think that might've changed over the years, but the thing that gets me out of bed or the days that I finish work and go, I've had a great day today, is really when yeah. I do actually get to connect with people and their stories. And that might be, that might be, you know, a speaker or a CEO themselves that needs a bit of support, development, and training in regards to how they present or how they come across. Or so you do that kind
0: of thing as well, or yeah. you organise well, that for part them.
1: Well, that's part of producing. That's part of producing. So great. Everyone's everyone's talent. You know, to me, they're a cast in a show. And you could be the level of management that's just there to give out the name tags. You could be the one responsible for problem solving. You could be the one that's looking after the CEO. You could be the MC. You could be the CEO. Everyone has a role to play. And one of the things I really really like um, doing and getting businesses to understand is what role they're playing in their cast and how much more successful their event will be if everyone um, plays their role.
0: Yeah, nice. I really like that. I do understand producers from TV land as well. And it really yeah. is coming up with the idea and then managing the whole process through to the end and then making sure it executes really well. So
1: yeah.
0: so this kind of perfectly leads me back to when I first met you, theatre was actually quite a big part of your business.
1: Yes, it was. Uh,
0: because oh. of the walking with dinosaurs and that guy. So, right. But let's go back even further, because we've got ages to talk now mm-hmm. and I am as nosy as all get out. <laughs> so since... We are, I don't want to say mature, as you so beautifully put it, but how about we start back with what you wanted to do when you left school and how you have ended up where you are now? (laughs) And I'll ask questions as you say interesting things in the middle.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, when I left school, um, and this is a little, this is some of these sorts of things people wouldn't necessarily know, and certainly some of these things I've probably never Divulged really in my corporate Ooh, in my corporate makes me feel life, like a female mark pa- Michael a Parkinson or something. This might be <laughs> a scoop. Um, so when I, uh, I when I finished school, um, I I didn't think that I would end up in the career that I uh, ended up in, and um, I was just always in a hurry to get somewhere. I was twelve or fifteen months younger than most of my um, friends, and so. Back then, Hang on, we, actually,
0: let's wind back. You yeah. came from a massive family, I've just realized, remembered as yes, well. So, yeah. T- tell them that, though, because that's obviously a part of you. You've oh, got definitely. A, you've got a huge number of sim- siblings.
1: Definitely. It's definitely uh, shaped who I am for sure. Um, so I'm one of six. Uh, we're, a, yes. we're a good old Brady Bunch. Dad was an architect. You know, we had a two-storey house. Oh, like really the Brady Bunch? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And you're three the youngest, boys. are you? Th- three boys, three girls, and I'm uh, in the middle. Um, I'm right. number three of six. Um, oh,
0: I wonder what that means. That'll mean something oh, to someone who's somebody listening. Somebody will have an opinion. <laughs> They'll be going, oh, right, that third
1: child. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. But as a child, I was the, um, I was somewhere between the helpful one, which allowed me to be a bit more nosy. So if you're helping mum by cleaning, or you know, mum and dad used to have these cards nights, right? They weren't um, the parties used to happen at mum and dad's house or at our house because mum had so many kids. So much easier to get everyone to come to your place than come to you, yeah you know, bundle six kids up and you know. So but they used to have these card nights um with two couples of theirs and nowhere to lie. It was the round table, she'd made a felt cover, we had the pull down light, they all smoked oh, like chains, them. you know, you had the <laughs> you had the Tupperware container out with the coon cheese in squares and the pickled onions and the Jats biscuits, you know, very high yep. very high uh, high thanks. brow.
0: Cans of smoked oysters, I still remember from those days. Oh, gosh. You know, it was just... Or maybe that was too fancy.
1: Yeah, I think that part of, might have been a little bit too fancy for our neck of the woods. But I used to, so I used to clean a lot for mum, but by doing yeah. all of those sorts of things, I probably got a few more privileges, you see. Um, and right. honestly, privileges might have been a chocolate biscuit rather than yeah. there were none left in the packet because the boys Back had eaten everything. Back when life everything. was simple. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that was when life was simple. Um, but I tell you what, what I did learn um as a as a child, I don't have parents who have sat me down and sort of you know given me the the uh, wise and where force of of life or given them given me a, a fabulous lesson to to be taught or a bit of advice that I should take on. But I learned effectively what you need to do um, in in a competitive sort of nature, and that was natural things like you know making sure that you got your fair share of dinner, or yep. you've got really pesky brothers that just you know off you go. Yeah. So. I never, in particular, in the early stage of my career, dealing with men was was no issue, um, because I've got three pesky brothers at home, and you think I'm scared of them?
0: Almost exactly the same as me. Maybe that's why we got on so well when we first met. When you've got three brothers, yeah, you just start going, and you do learn to eat fast and grab the last of whatever. None of that niceness. Yeah. You know, but, you got to you go to houses where it was all girls and they wait politely for the last person to take yeah. we used to just grab <laughs> it. Like,
1: oh, really? How does that work? That we be not left, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, so so that um that life for me. I mean, I I never uh, until I became an adult and really not until my sort of late 30s, I think, and I started having a few conversations with mum, did I realize that, you know, we used to have pancakes for dinner on a Sunday night, which we used to think it was great. She have dessert for dinner like this is so cool. My mum's, you know, but it was special. because, yeah, exactly. But it was effectively because that's all the budget allowed. And you're like, oh, right, okay. By I mean, the
0: end of the week, you're down on flour and water and maybe an egg chucked in. That's right. Feeding you know, six children every day.
1: Correct. And you've got, you know, yeah, sugar crazy. and lemon and a bit of jam. And you're like, oh, my God, this is so awesome. Um, so um, Special treat Sunday nights. Special treat Sunday nights. So, you know, and really, so whilst Dad um you know mum and dad are still together and you know that's all we're all still a very normal family but dad worked three jobs because he had six kids to pay for and we yeah, all right. went to um we all went to private school not you know high end private school but nonetheless so um yeah. uh leaving school um and I don't even know how or why this ended up on my selection you know criteria it wasn't, you know, the whole career development counselling conversations that go on these days. Yes, we had them back then, but I also was taught by nuns. So, you know, <laughs> they would have loved me to follow them, you know, into... I was
0: just going to say, we're lucky. Maybe we're lucky you didn't end up as a nun. I've thought about <laughs> it. I'll tell you what, I love... stop. Every, every no, I girl the I convent. know loves.
1: No, I love yeah. the convent. I love the... The uh, you cloister to wear the halls, just you know, the whole bit, the whole formality of it all sounded like a beautiful. Let, yeah. Well, after a few, you know, after a few relationships ended, don't you worry? I actually thought maybe this really is my calling. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yes, I know about that. Anyway, let's get back to your career. So, now. nonetheless, so, my when I left school, I actually um, I uh, enrolled in forensic science. As now, you do. As you do. Now. It also, don't don't get me wrong, you didn't need very high marks to get into forensic science. It was like right. library studies, forensic science. Oh, that's at the university. Let's go there. So I didn't do that well in my matric. I had a couple of health issues um, in my teenage years. So uh, nonetheless, I'm... Um, you got into uni. I got into and uni. And you can always transfer once you're in. Well, that wasn't even part of the conversation. I lasted, I think, through enrolment, which I thought was fabulous because of the university itself. And then... I think the first week, um, one of the classes was dissecting uh, mice, and I went, "Yeah, no, this is not for me." (laughs) So I actually went back to school and enrolled in year thirteen. It was a very new thing. So you didn't repeat matric; you went into year thirteen, and I followed. Yeah, well, I don't know how or why. Maybe it was, you know, it's it's the maybe it was the fad for the day, but. uh, I followed Sister Shirley, who uh, was, uh, she had moved from St. Dominic's for then. So she was at St. Mary. So I went there and I didn't last very long in, in uh, year 13. And I found, though, what I thought actually was my calling um, was fashion design. So the whole process ah. of, yeah, so that, uh, and it was a brand new college. It was a brand new course. Um, and uh, I had. I had already learned to sew. My mother was a sewer, is a sewer still. She does beautiful needlework now, but she made all of our outfits. You know, I got the blue version of everything and my sister got the pink or the yellow version, you know, so <laughs> it was, you know, you got a bit of trim on this t-shirt and a bit of whatever. And I, I grew up dancing. So, you know, mum was forever making costumes. Um, so I already knew how to sew and I went, no, no, this is, this is my thing. And Again, the process of getting in um, effectively was through an interview process. I mean, you needed some entry capability through finishing school and whatever. But um, so I used to work my sort of, you know, teenage job, if you like, was at the Sunday Mail. I was a copy girl. Oh, right. Um, Yeah. And so those were the days where literally you used to take the A3 sheet of paper and you'd walk up the stairs two flights and you'd give it to that bloke and he'd circle and cross and do something else and you'd walk it back down two flights and... Um, and you used to make their coffee, used to get their lunch. We used to put their bets on.
0: Very good grounding. I mean, those were the days for those kind of good jobs where you just get to watch everyone and watch what they're doing and, and you know.
1: that's too true. And start off
0: with very little responsibility. So you don't feel pressure from that. You just learn like a little... You know, soaking up everything.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. And and you really are, you're hanging around really senior people too, you know. So we were involved the, with the deputy editor and um, the editor, you know, every weekend. And so they're clearly senior people that have been in industry for a long time. Um, so yeah. um, that... Uh, right, so
0: from newspapers.
1: From newspapers. So getting into fashion college... Um, I uh, engaged my uncle, who was the deputy editor of the paper, to uh, could I go into the archives because you needed to research on whatever your presentation was, right? And um, George Gross and Harry, who, uh, who yep. have become very good friends of mine across my career anyway, um, they were the thing at, at the t- in the time. So I went into the archives wow. and, of course, I pulled out. And it was all literally, it's like the cuttings. They were in brown paper um, uh, books, if you like, stuck in there, all the cuttings. Bag. To research yep. my way through that, um, and you had to make something, so uh, as part of your presentation, to show that you had some skills. So I, um, I dyed my silk, um, I painted my silk, um, and I made this. <laughs> I'd never wear it now, but it was so it was so uh, um, Dallas. With shoulder pads and the list goes on um oh, taffeta ruffles uh, all of that well, this kind was, of thing this off was pure the shoulder silk. this was pure silk so it was a bit oh. you know it had a big collar and it had lots of ruching in the jacket and piping and oh just you know i thought i was the bee's knees so um very stylish yeah very stylish so that um that was required to get me uh into fashion college and i loved it i just loved it um I couldn't spend any more you know, hours there if I tried. Um, and so through that, I, I learned a couple of things actually about myself um, through that sort of first couple of years, because as soon as I graduated, um, I started a couple of businesses. So right. through that, I had bought my industrial machinery. Um, Marilyn, the lady's name was, I can't, I was trying to think of the name of her, it's like Fiddlesticks or something, actually that might be it, um, she had a children's clothing brand and she lived in the neighbourhood. And so um, they were very special outfits if we had something bought from her. And so we um, we bought, we I bought, um, because, you know, I'd been working since I was 14. I bought my industrial machinery from her and um, set up in the garage and dad made me a cutting table. And, um, you know, I, I basically decided that I was going to get myself going. So right. I had two businesses very early on. Um, one was called Melissa Abbott Designs because she was my favourite person off, um, oh gosh, it's a Channel 10 show, it's still on now. Anyway, she was my favourite person off that. So, uh, yeah. um, and then, and that was, I actually did um, mainly really ended up being corporate uniforms or day wear out of that. And then I had another oh, yeah. um, brand called Guilt Head, which was my um, bespoke couture and bridal. <laughs> you didn 't start small then did you love and so so, take me from fashion to events. How
0: was that leap made
1: well um what i didn 't realize is that really, to kind of get anywhere um, and i didn 't know what investors were back then, uh, I thought parents you know paid for things, um, but being yeah. one of six no um they wouldn 't buy me a factory, and so i couldn 't scale anything and again, I probably didn 't really understand what that was back then and so I decided um, when I finished fashion college, uh, I did a, a major in marketing and um, uh, and CAD computer aided design. So um, yeah. I, as soon as I, uh, one of my girlfriends from college, we decided we were going to finish our marketing and up our qualifications to a degree. So we went to um, night school to do that. Um, yeah. so we kept doing that. And after a couple of years, I you know upped my qualifications and I decided that fashion was not where I was going to make my fortune. So where was it? And I found this job in the paper when you used to look in the newspaper for the job ads. And um, it was a marketing and communications manager, I think, at the South Australian Cricket Association. And I went, that's what I want to be. I want to be that. I clearly don't have capacity or experience at this point in time. So,
0: so let me interrupt now yeah. and ask you: Were you always into sport because of the brothers and stuff? Was cricket uh, a thing for you anyway? Yeah, yeah, because you was. have continued in sport, haven't you? And it's something that personally yeah. I can barely relate to. Yeah. But then that's just me. Well, <laughs> so early on, were you into it anyway? I yeah. mean, getting a, a well, job at the Cricket Association.
1: Kids. Yeah, being one of six kids. I mean, I, I was um, I was the dancer in our family. Or I was the one that, um, yes, she'll play tennis as well because I've got the others here and I can't uh, get back to pick the other one up. So yes, yeah. give her a tennis Just racket, her put her in on. a frock, and yeah. she'll be busy for two hours, and I'll come back and get that one later. So um, it really was a logistical reason as to why. I mean, yeah, I played a lot of sport in school, but um, like, and I continued dancing after I'd left school. But um, the first I job, was,
0: fir- I was, first event job for cricket, which is well, interesting. I love.
1: I don't know if I necessarily because it was cricket or because of the job and then the sort of side benefit or the context with cricket for me. I knew um, I had been uh, I had some really good friends, um, in fact, uh, that I had sort of been knocking around with for a few years. Um, I I loved cricket anyway. Growing up, that was always on in the house, etc. So, but I loved Test cricket. So um, it was. Is there a difference? Uh, yeah, there's there there's three forms. Well, there's three forms now. Back then there was two. Oh,
0: okay. I believe you. Yeah, so yeah. come on, I just wanna let's get past the sport bit because of course that's gonna make me yawn and tell me how the actual event business started and then you started growing your own business and off you went to I where did. you are now. Well so. of course
1: when you work when you work in sport, everything is a major event. Which I didn't oh. realise. So I started as a uh, marketing and communication coordinator and my first job was to produce an international test series. I went, oh, "Oh, all right. Yeah, as you do, as you do. As you do. do. Uh, Look after the media, look after the TV broadcast, look after blah, blah, blah. So, okay. Um, We had a new brand that we uh, developed at that time and launched. We won the final, which they hadn't done for umpteen years, and then off the back of that, Super League came to town, so that's Rugby League, and that was when Murdoch took that over. So yep. I um, I rang up the head of sales and marketing at Channel 9 and said, how come everybody else is getting a job in town and I don't have one at the Rams yet? And he went, oh, well, I didn't know you were interested. And I went, well, yes, I am. So I went for my interview and I um, had a couple of really successful years at the Rams. And again, what did I do? I produced international um, level sporting games. So. Right, and so that the, was the, the em- so the theme starts. That was the entertainment. That was you know, hundreds of kids on the ground dancing. That was you know, what, what's the what's the program going to be? What's the choreography? What's the music? Who are we getting? It? What's the talent? Now, can, you know, um,
0: can I safely presume that you were taking over someone else's footsteps, so that the, some of these had been done before? No, and oh right, no. so you were just creating it from scratch.
1: Correct. Correct. Right. Yep. I put my hand up and well, said, "Yes, I can do that." For you. <laughs> <laughs> I can do that. Um, Talk
0: about throwing yourself down the deep end.
1: Well, you know, it's a little bit like a, um, a possibly a constant theme is I'll put my hand up to say yes, and I'll worry about working it out later.
0: Oh, now isn't that a great tip for anyone who's listening? That is something that keeps on coming up with successful female founders is just jump on it if the opportunity arrives, say yes, Correct. and then we work out how the hell to do it later.
1: Correct. Absolutely. And, you know, in the start, like in those first few years, and this is maybe I was sort of in my mid to late 20s by now, but... the internet had only just started. I mean, we're not that old, but we've got to remember how quick technology's no, moved in the last young, fifteen really. to twenty years. Um,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Email had just started, so you know when you put your hand up to say yes, you didn't kind of go, "Oh, I'll, I'll just Google it." You know, surely there's no. a there's a demo on YouTube, and I'll be. No, an you expert. pick up
0: the telephone and the and the and the yellow pages and the white pages, and off you go.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, so from uh, rugby league, uh, I then went into the arts. So that's when I worked at the Adelaide Festival Centre, loved that job for bits, and I was there for five years. And again, marketing and um, comms was my thing. But the extraordinary thing about that experience, and again, this is where put your hand up and just say yes, was at that point in time, they'd just gone through a massive restructure and the rules of the game changed. Instead of the Festival Centre and its five venues being um, literally venues for hire, Everything that went through any venue had to come through the marketing and comms department and we had to do the marketing comms on every show. Oh, my God. So that's huge for so you guys. So all of a sudden I had 12 staff and a design um, room, um, graphic designers, and um, and I <laughs> let me tell you, I learned some pretty interesting lessons from some wiry old um, rock and roll producers, really. And so that's when I... So that's good when I good lessons, I'm, yeah. I'm assuming good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's more about um, you know, and again, mobile phones are only you know, were really only uh, just a new thing. And but that's where I learned the still, I suppose, the art and science around um, traditional advertising. Yeah. And um, what audiences do, what audiences want, how to get audiences together, and some of yeah. these sorts of things have probably, uh, well, they have formed foundations of some things that I just know how to do now. Um, yeah. But when exactly. you wind when you wind the story back, you know, I spent five years um, there and um, had an extraordinary had an extraordinary time. I worked seven days a week. I loved it. If I wasn't doing anything, I'd just go to a show. If I could be involved in hosting people, I would go to that show again, and again, and again, and again, and I became, wow. and again, that's where I probably honed my craft of, um, of telling stories. And I used to say that I was an interpreter from English to English. And right. that's using that arts continuum, if you like, where if somebody thinks she's a beautiful butterfly, fantastic. But if you thought it was a slippery, slimy snake, love your, love your interpretation too. You know, it was really yeah. about people being able to engage with it and um, determine something from it. Moved overseas, came back.
0: Hang on, where did you go overseas? You can't just flip past that one. So what are you, in your late 20s then?
1: No, I had turned 30, um, a bit of a sort where whirlwind did go? kind of time. And I, in my early 30s, I moved to London. Yeah. I had only a couple of years ago, before that done one of the sort of, you know, 37 countries in 29 days tours. Um, oh, and that was, yeah. my, that was my first um, international experience. I hadn't been overseas until I was 30. Right. So but I it moved to London. your appetite, yeah, yeah, it did actually it's you know you work out that there's a big world out there, and mm-hmm. my white picket fence story you know hadn't developed by then, so I went, well, you know, what have I got to lose, really so I did
0: exactly the same thing oh, at exactly you? the same age yeah twenty nine I think I was, but same thing, yeah London, here I come,
1: yep, absolutely, and I think that's where um. I mean, I remember this, it's it's so silly as a story, but I do remember this um, specifically. I was so scared of actually going to London the first time um, because I had in my mind that, you know, I may as well have been going to Russia, but I simply forgot that they spoke English over there. So, you know what? You forgot
0: that they spoke English in England.
1: (laughs) it It was such a scary experience. And I do remember kind of getting there and going, oh my God, like, I can read all the signs. I understand what they're saying to me. I (laughs) I know how to ask a question. And let
0: me tell you, you were in the company of half a million Aussies who were always in, there's at least half a million in London at any one time.
1: Oh, well, I just, you know, (laughs) I suppose, you know, it probably... I love that. That's very cute. Well, it's possibly how sheltered I was perhaps at that point in time and yet I thought I was so worldly. Um, But, no, I, I wasn't until I stepped out of my comfort zone and then I think my inner confidence built from there you know I think I um so
0: did you work over
1: there yes I did or yes. was it yep. just holiday no no so I worked for a uh an Australian um packaging company actually bottling um they were in wine and so right. I took a role with them uh, to deliver some international events so the International Wine and Spirits Fair was my first one Oh, wow. my got my uh, my cab out to the Docklands, which wasn't terribly developed then.
0: No, it wasn't at all.
1: Um, And the cabbie was saying, you know, are you sure, love, this is the right address? I'm going, oh, it's on my piece of paper, you know. Um, And you're just
0: looking at the empty streets with kind of dust balls floating. (laughs) It really was. It it was completely empty in those days. And And then... They built this whole suburb, like massive suburb with canals everywhere, no one around at all.
1: Mm, That's right. I think it's
0: huge now.
1: Of course, I was looking for the accommodation, so, you know, I assumed it would be a building of some height. No, it wasn't. It was a ship. Um, Wow. Wow. So, I mean, it was just extraordinary. This was all booked before my time of sort of stepping in to deliver the role. And so, oh, God, did I think I was – I thought I seriously was Princess Mary. I had my own suite and, you know, there was (laughs) – it was all shiny, bright. Ooh, Ooh and... note
0: to self. That's good. Book someone onto a boat if you can't get them anywhere else. Yeah. And London, there are canals everywhere, actually, and barges and all sorts yeah, of things you it can was, stay I in.
1: thought it was ingenious. So um, anyway, delivered that event for them and then set up a, a effectively an international um Com's platform for them uh, which was with they had 13 agents around the world selling this stuff Um, and so I did a little bit of stuff in the south of France um, during that time uh, but then had the opportunity to finish the project um, in the States I could stay in the UK or I could move on so I decided to move on to the States and um, because and I had two options to live uh, either in California obviously obvious wine country which I had been to before and the other option was Texas and Texas, uh, rightly or wrongly, um, had a young virgining um, wine region which uh, uh, they specialised wow. in. Uh, <laughs> wow, have... I
0: do not associate Texas with wine no, at all.
1: no, but Riesling Grapes, and that was my favourite white wine at the time. So I went, oh, I think I'll just pop down there. And I'd met this woman through a mate of mine who actually I'm in a business with now, literally started a few weeks ago. Um, he uh, had to meet this woman that he'd fallen in love with and uh, she lived in uh, Dallas, Texas, which is where I could go. So I kept in touch with her and I ended up living with her um, and uh, had it, I mean, let me tell you, it was a very different, um, very different life over there. But, again, interesting, different people. Um,
0: yeah. And new exposure to just other lifestyles and Correct. other people and all the rest of it. Yeah. So you still haven't started your company. Tell me, no. when did you start your company? I
1: know. I know. It's like it's taking forever. Um, I sort of had, you know, maybe 10 years, 10, 12 years between uh, the first two and then this one. I came back to Australia and I couldn't get a job. Right. I just, I needed a break. And so my version of a break was just get a nice low level coordinator's job um, and I was, you know, I was too, too qualified. You're not going to stay, Melissa. It's like it's a three-month contract. I will stay for three months. You know, I've never, I've never worked nine to five, ever. Yeah. So um, a girlfriend, in that sort of terror of giving myself, I think, four weeks and I couldn't, couldn't come up with anything, um, a girlfriend said to me, oh, if you get stuck, you know, you can come and join me. Uh, she was managing a golf club at Hidden Valley, which is just uh, shy of Kilmore in Victoria, she goes. Oh, if you oh, get stuck, okay. you can come and do some weddings and I don't know, go on reception for a day. And I'm like, oh my god, this is awesome. So nothing happened within the next 24 hours. So I yeah. decided to pack my car up and go across there. Knock on her you door. So cheeky. <laughs> well, I can't she believe did that. Say.
0: But well, now as an adult, don't you you know, as some, a business owner, you can imagine just saying to someone, yeah, that sounds quite good. I'll look. I'll get back to you, and yeah. not getting back for more than 24 hours, and not expecting them to roll up on your doorstep. Well, but I love it. No. It's initiative, honey. It's called there, initiative. There you
1: go. That's exactly right. To all those <laughs> young folk out there. Um, That's right. So uh, and so, I did. I did it. You know, it was my first job as a waitress. It was my first job behind the bar. It was my first job at reception, and I just was loving it. I worked about I worked three or four days a week, and then went to lunch three days a week. Um, and then, because uh, she was the boss, so I, there's I was, a
0: theme uh, through this. You're working very, very hard.
1: Well. It's um, it's, you know, it is interesting. I have considered it more around it's a lifestyle that I've chosen or a lifestyle that comes naturally to me. I've never really considered yeah. the boundaries, um, I have to say. Um, so it well, was. Well, that's
0: a, a question I'm going to ask you later. Okay. But I agree. I think if you love your job, then it isn't. It isn't work in the same way that it is for people who are employed.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, a, absolutely, absolutely. So one fateful afternoon, this is uh, this is the nitty-gritty, one fateful afternoon um, a very well-known cricketer who I had known for probably 15 years or so by then, um, rocked up at the golf club at the 19th hole and literally went, oh, my God, what are you doing here? And I said, I am hiding from people like you. So <laughs> <laughs> it was just, oh, my, I don't, you know, you know, you are trouble, you are work, you are, you know, I don't want to get back involved. So he had come up with a concept and had um, uh, started the process of selling it into the NRL. It was soon to be the 25th anniversary of State of Origin football, so rugby yep. league. And he basically said, uh, yep, absolutely, uh, I'm halfway there. I know you can deliver it. So um, guess what? <laughs> You're on board. And that that st- and what were you on
0: board for? What was it?
1: Well, that started. That that was the start. The, the business started out of necessity. So the first event that we um, were we were up for was a twenty five celebration of the twenty five years of state of origin. So we. Um, created an event which was similar to some fundraising walks that some of these cricketers had done by then. So it was over 37 days. It went from Cairns, we started in Cairns, far north um, Queensland, uh, Cairns to Sydney. Over 37 days, we delivered 113 events. God. We took 86 former greats of the game with us, you know, on and off. Some came for a few days, some came for a week during that process and um we raised um a bit over $246,000 for make a wish along the way and granted a number of wishes which was really quite beautiful. Oh,
0: that's amazing. That so what a what a start. Well,
1: and so Big Fish that's was your born. first your first business and your first job. And what was the name of the business? So Big Fish Your Pond was the first iteration of it. Um, right. It was really interesting. The whole naming process was beyond me, you know, and I came up with a few and I, I, um, I road tested it with some people around that I thought would give me some help and I didn't like anything they said. Um, so I... Um, and my the original name I couldn't get because it was already taken. So um, I came up with a hybrid, really. Um, yeah. And it's called Big Fish because the people that I dealt with then, they either were, big were a big fish or they thought they were a big fish or they wanted to be a big fish. Um, and I didn't... Well, to- I, I
0: I always interpreted it like... Be a big fish, you know, that big fish in a small pond idea, but be a big fish in your own area of expertise, your own pond.
1: Yeah, well, you know, it was, yes, it was definitely about people wanting to be big fish. And so that that then, you know, my client base from there was, it was naturally in sport or major events and the arts. Yeah, and right. So, and
0: then, and so how did you end, well, I mean, I don't know whether how far ahead I'm jumping to ask you about walking with dinosaurs.
1: Well, that actually came into it there. So, um so I had uh, I'd moved into a share apartment down in town. So I needed to you know leave Hidden Valley and um, come yeah. back out down into town, and um, that didn't work out. So I ended up in my own apartment in South Melbourne, where you've um, stayed with me for a little while, and um, I was sitting there, you know, with my desk and my laptop and my notebook with nothing on it <laughs> in regards to a to do thing. And going, okay, well, clearly now um, that that major job, because um, that took me to Sydney for a while and, and came back, but um, you, you need to actually start drumming up some work. So uh, you're living in Melbourne now. Yeah. What do you, you need to start getting some clients. So you need to start getting on the phone. So I needed to sort of dig into... Well, now this... Well, it's, sort of dig into. So let me stop there, because I do think that that's one
0: of the biggest things for anyone in business to realise... That even if you're lucky enough to start with a job, you have to get your pipeline moving. You have to start getting Mm -hmm. those new sales opportunities into... Into the funnel because yeah, I reckon it takes roughly six months of hard graft mm. to get the first one going, and then the big mistake people go is I'm too busy now. I'll do it when I finish. Well, there's going to be nothing when you finish unless you keep it going.
1: Yeah, that's so, so true. Anyway,
0: sorry, I just saw an opportunity to offer a little lesson there, but do go on. No, it is very <laughs> true, and you also
1: have to be brave enough to um, actually pick up the phone and reengage yeah. with people that you might not have spoken to for a little while or ring an Um, Let people know what you're doing, and if there's an opportunity, or if there's someone that you can help, would you mind introducing me? You know,
0: those
1: those sorts of things. Even if you like sales, you know, really, the reality is a lot of it was cold or at best warm calling, Um, and then it was a matter of putting myself out there. So you know, a connection or a friend of a friend uh, said, "I'll ring this bloke," "I'll ring this one," and so I did two things. One, I I engaged. Uh, with some senior people from a sporting point of view and a couple of agencies I'd done some short jobs for and then the other was yeah. um, the other was uh, back in the theater so I had produced opening nights for um, uh, William May and Malcolm Cook and uh, whilst they're famous for many things who
0: it, I was going to say who are
1: they yeah <laughs> so whilst they're famous for many things they um, were the producers of the Hobbit. Um, uh, Lion Witch in wow. the Wardrobe, um, shows like that. So, which was yeah, amazing. really sort of. Sh- a, oh,
0: sorry, are we talking shows or movies? They no, were shows, the, at, Show business,
1: right. Mm. So, yeah. that original um, puppetry, if you like, life size um, puppetry, um, they were absolutely um, famous for. Produced a number of shows over the time, but <clears throat> Bill and I um, struck up a relationship when I was at the Festival Centre. So, this is some 10 years prior. And um, I, you know, got on my big girl undies and Picked up the phone. Oh, William, how are you? Gosh, let me tell you about all the amazing things I've been doing. Uh, uh, um, So lucky he talks a lot. (laughs) And uh, so, um, and I probably had to ring him three or four times to get in his diary. And so I almost... I honestly almost gave up because it was, um, you know, you don't want to be badgering people and oh, maybe he doesn't want to talk to me. So anyway, he said, no, pop in, pop in. And he had redone this warehouse in Kensington in in, uh, Melbourne. So sort of just North Melbourne around there. And um, so I popped in and, oh, it was luscious and lavish and massive chandeliers and um, you know, red carpets and it was just extraordinary. But it was literally, it's an old warehouse that he had, um, you know, really remodelled and um, I had a quick chat to him and that was lovely. Oh, do keep in touch, do keep in touch. And, it, you know, that's one of those let's do lunch. <laughs> <And> yeah, he, <laughs> yeah. Whoever does that afterwards. Um, but then he ran so you rang. thought you
0: were getting the big kiss off really.
1: Yeah, I did. I did to be honest. And then about four o'clock on a Monday, my phone called and uh, um, I was already in my jammies. You know, I was,
0: I was so busy. As you do when you're an old dear. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was so busy. I had nothing to do. I went, right, jammies are on. So and William's like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? And I said, oh, look, I'm just finishing up some things for the day. And uh, he goes, oh, great, fabulous. He said, uh, right, well, I'm, I'm going to send someone around to pick you up and uh, I need to talk to you about a few things. And I went, oh, uh, right, uh, well, you know, it can't be as straight away because I've I'm I'm very busy, you know. You have to <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I need to actually get changed. So <laughs> yeah. please don't send someone straight away. Oh honestly, the next the next hour I was throwing clothes left, right and centre, because I just knew this was an opportunity. I didn't know what it was about, but I just knew and I had to be dressed but not overdressed. I you know, don't wear your ball gown and tiara, but you can't wear your jeans and you know. So
0: Uh, I think every woman listening knows that moment where you go through your wardrobe and you're like, I haven't got
1: anything. Nothing is right. (laughs) I've got nothing to wear. I'm too fat. This is too short. This is just, you know, this is going to do the wrong impression. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. Oh God, that no. Do that button up. That's too low cut. Oh, that that makes you look like a nano. You know, you just you don't look hip enough. You don't look like you know what you're talking about. That colour's all wrong. Anyway,
0: let's assume you got your outfit in the end and you go there. And what did he say?
1: Well, I walked in, um, and he uh, there was a there was music on. There was candles going. There was a glass of champagne poured and a white rose. And I went, I'm in trouble here. Whatever he's going to ask me to do, I'm in trouble here. Within, but this was a Monday. By Friday, we had the bank turning up to basically. Uh, um, effectively approved some finance for them which was going to start the bankrolling for walking with dinosaurs and wow. they had a couple of businesses that weren't quite in good shape financially right and theater smoke and mirrors smoke and mirrors and he said don't worry you've got like four days I'm Like william this is the amount of money that you are asking for and the bank is going to need to see x y and Z. he goes like yeah, you like i said you've got four days and I went, oh yeah. my
0: god what are you complaining about?
1: Yeah, that's, that's right. So, um, so again, I said yes. And that was a business plan that was, um, a, you know, quite frankly, fixing some financials. Um, that was resorting, um, effectively, some ongoing cash flow issues and was really putting together, you know, a marketing structure, a staffing plan. Again, this was smoke and mirrors. We needed to get this funding. If we didn't get this funding, this whole this whole thing wouldn't have occurred. And so that well, started the life. I
0: guess, of... I guess, famously, the show did happen. So we the know show the funding went on. happened.
1: That's right, and, and the...
0: became a huge sensation. Oh, absolutely massive.
1: massive. Yeah, the, yeah, it, um, it it was. Uh, well, still is actually. There are three companies that are rolling around the world, um, delivering that. Wow, and it was an extraordinary experience. And um, you know, I was there every step of the way.
0: And now you have this big events company. So one of the things that I would love to ask you is um, along the way, have there been any sort of major uh, uh, drawbacks for, you know, times where you've just kind of thought this is all fucked, what am I doing? Or any moments that you've got? Well, I think you've shared some of those woohoo moments. Have you had, you know what I'm angling for, so have you had any, say, health issues? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> well you've just I, I will talk about that but you've just reminded me of an, another one actually um where a, and as an entrepreneur if you haven't you know eaten too many tubs of ice cream or if you haven't sat on the kitchen floor with your head in your hands or if you haven't rolled <laughs> under the doona and not wanted to come out then you gone for a box
0: of tissues you yeah. are
1: lying um so uh, there, there's a couple of them and, and it, you know, it's around it's around finances really because um, the reality is once you start, you know, you start with a, a premise and you start with staff and, you know, the list goes on. And, again, if your pipeline's not solid, uh, then, um, you know. <laughs> you can get in trouble. You can certainly get in trouble. And my, my father had a – Dad's an architect and he had a business um, – uh, because he'd always wanted to do it. Um, so he bought a couple of businesses back in the day. They were sports stores. And yeah. uh, they really had some financial trouble around the recession we had to have, um, the pool keeping. Yeah. Um, and so dad lost the businesses, but not only did he lose that, he lost the house, the family home, the cars, everything. Oh, um so now, was, how old
0: are the kids at this stage? Are, well, they I all, was, are you all grown up and left home? No.
1: No, we were oh, all right. Okay, we were all right. at home, and um, so Shit. my oldest, my oldest sister, I think, had moved out. She would moved out back in. Adam. But she, so there were five of us still living at home. We moved to a rented house and so forth. But I, what I observed with that in regards to what Dad did, and I didn't know this until his sixtieth sixtieth birthday, <clears throat> because he had, um, and Mum and Dad had kids young, right? So you know, yeah, um, but dad was 60 and he had only just finished paying off the school fees to the to the nuns and to the to the brothers um but with the business debts he chose not to go bankrupt he chose to um basically pay them off every cent
0: yeah wow and it
1: took him about three or four years post uh, the business's closing and so money issues you know within the business for me probably gave me the greatest fear because i couldn't not pay people i couldn't not do the right thing i'm happy to have a you know, difficult conversation with someone. But if I say I can pay you ten dollars a week for the next ten weeks or whatever, $100 a hundred dollars a week, and you
0: get to week six and you can't, that ain't going to happen.
1: No, that's exactly yeah. right. So yeah. you know, um, that that for me is is that's really personal for me. So I've had a couple yeah. of you know those things sitting down, kind of just going, oh my god, there, there's there's no money and there's no work. Like you know, what, what's what going am I on here? Do? Mm. So w- whether whether it's sort of you know a roller coaster ride or not. But I do remember, um, uh, again, um, I've probably got a reasonable resolve and um, being tired is not an excuse or anything that's acceptable for me, but I probably felt unwell for a little while. And so I, um, I rang a mate of mine who was a CEO of an AFL club and I said, yeah, I'm, just, I'm not right and I can't seem to get on top of this. And so I think something else might be wrong, but I don't know where to go. He then had his club doctor ring me within the hour and I went through some bits and pieces with him within 24 hours. I was in to see a um, rheumatologist, um, one of the best in the country, and within a week I had a diagnosis. So I have a, uh, a condition called fibromyalgia, which effectively presents um, as a, um, for me, it's, uh, it presents as uh, chronic fatigue and um, chronic arthritis um so it's an immune disorder um and effectively what happens is either you've got broken genes to start with and they um they effectively your body can't keep it together any longer or right. you use up really um your lifetime worth of stores and i had done that and i wasn't 40 yet so so, so
0: sorry just just to help anyone who so mm. a, a diagnosis aside it was when you say it was exhaustion, I just remember at the time that it was like I can't get out of bed for three days and then I might have a good day. And then when you finally started getting better, it was like I'm better but I still have to sleep until late in the morning and I have to get some sleep during the day and maybe a little rest in the middle of the day. Like it's really debilitating, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. Um, and, of course, uh, I'm I'm not very good at um,
0: no, at, you're at not. <laughs>
1: letting people either see <laughs> that or help, you know. So, um, so yes, you know, it might take me three hours in the morning to get up and have a shower and get dressed and be able to face getting in the car. Now, I lived in an apartment, so my, I'm travelling, you know, 10 metres at a time. Um, yeah. But if I wash my hair, I, I, it took, took me hours to dry it. Um, so because literally uh. arms above your head is just, you know, some days... And- one arm you wouldn't can do work. do it another so ones you, Yeah, that's right. You know, so you wouldn't, I've very rarely, you know, I was very mindful when I was out in regards to, you know, ordering a coffee. Um,
0: so stress and things like that not helping at all. So you no. actually had to really take a good hard look at yourself, your business, your life, and, and, and look at what's happened. I mean, I, it's lovely to see just how successful you are being, pandemics aside, because that hasn't been a favour to anyone in the events industry, but... Look at what you, you've achieved. It is amazing. And, and do you see that as being one of the major things in your career or have there? Well, look, we, we're going to run out of time. So give me, let, let me move on because I've, I absolutely love this story, but let's move on. I want to know, well, we've kind of touched on this anyway, but how do you juggle work and life these days? So now you've had that terrible shock in your life and you've kind of come out the other side of it, is work and life seamless or is there actually, are you sort of setting aside time to have weekends and, you know, relax?
1: I think uh, seamless is is um, probably, uh, it's a theme and something that I'm much more comfortable with than not. So, so yeah. yes, I do say no um, now much more than I used to um, in the past um, to carve out time. I don't know that I necessarily learned those lessons from, you know, from my health episode because um, that still lives with me. But what I did, what I did with that was make sure that I I found the best solution to the problem so I could still maximize, you know, some days I might still be a five out of ten, but there's no choice but to operate like you're a ten out of ten. So um it's probably You are
0: amazing, you know that, don't you?
1: <laughs> That's very kind of you to say. You know, what suffered probably was my personal life because I would get myself through my day and then I'd Get in back in home, and then that would be it. Bed, you know. So yeah, um, if I could get to watch the six o'clock news, that was a that was a big day, you know. A um, big moment. That's yeah. right. So, but no, I, for me, I think I, which is why perhaps being an entrepreneur really sort of sits well with me, is that I don't see an issue with sitting down at six o'clock on a Sunday night to map out a, what a strategy might be, or I don't see an issue in getting up at four in the morning because something's bugging you and you really want to be able to do a deep dive yeah, to solve a few yeah. issues in your business. You know, I just, it's part of what you've got to do. Um, it is.
0: And the flip side of it is on a Wednesday afternoon, somebody rings and says, let's do lunch. And you go, you know what? I think I'll take the afternoon off afterwards.
1: Yeah. And yeah. you can
0: do that because, yeah, I mean, for me, weekends and weekdays yes. are really, they merge. Yeah,
1: they There's do, not yeah. a lot
0: of difference. It's just work needs to be done or, or, or it doesn't and you get a bit of time off.
1: Yeah, and I think the other thing which I've learned is that um, whilst I might not be, you know, sitting at my desk and tapping away at the keys, if I'm off doing something, I'm also really mindful of keeping myself open because things come to me. Solutions turn up, ideas yeah. turn up, creative juices start flowing, Thing, you know, your shoulders drop and, and stress moves away, which means you actually can focus on on that creative process and actually getting the solution that you need or coming up with a theme and the requirement for the client. Whereas if I sat here all day, every day, so I've learned to trust that process. That's probably what I have learned a lot uh, over the time is to learn to trust that process. So I, I don't, I'm not in the office at seven every day. I might be in there at six. I might be in there at nine. I might be in there at eight. I mean, I generally keep office hours because we have staff, but, but I also, I know that, I need to be I need to be um out there doing other things in order for you know inspiration to keep.
0: yeah, and also to just refresh your soul. <laughs> you, do yeah, know, that, you know what I mean yeah and your creativity just to just to breathe yeah. again.
1: yeah, that's exactly right. It, it, and it is I do believe in nurturing that and feeding it. I absolutely do. Now that's not by a regular process, but that is by um attitude. yeah, and being in mindset so, maybe. Yeah, putting yourself in situations where energy comes to you instead of you having to give the energy.
0: Yeah, great. That's a that's a great tip. Okay, we're, we're, here's a funny one. I don't know whether you've already answered it, but is there a quirky fact that you'd like to share with us that maybe nobody else knows or not many people know? Oh, gosh. My last interview said she used to be a synchronised swimmer. Can you beat that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, but I have as an opening launch uh, to... Um, a new housing estate we opened a house and they had a pool and so I had synchronized swimmers in the pool as part of are
0: you are you serious Just that part... is so cute
1: it was the middle of winter we had the fire going in one room and the red wine being poured and then when you went outside oh my god what the hell is that in the pool synchronized swimming. that is
0: brilliant <laughs> so... oh I love that okay so uh, moving on to things that are totally really irrelevant now, but I kind of like asking this question anyway. Yeah. On your phone, what are the two most useful apps outside of banking? Every, anyone who says banking, that's too boring. Oh, gosh, what yeah. other apps do you use? Yeah, uh, well, for business. This is for business.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm not a great one. I, I don't actually okay. have, a, I don't have an answer to that question because I, don't, I, I use them you when don't they're You don't really useful. use your phone. Oh, actually, do you know what I, I do love? A thing called Genius Scan. Oh, what's that? That is literally scan documents off on your phone and send them off. Do you know? It. It's
0: so funny you should say that because I always say Jot Not, and that it too is a scanning app on my phone. Yeah, it's so friggin' useful. Yeah, it it's is. It's just really useful to be able to take photos of signatures on things and send it back to people. So yeah,
1: absolutely. So yes, that, I get that. that. So nothing one.
0: else. And what about? And I guess if you don't use it much for business, you probably don't use it at all for fun. But have you got any games that you play on your app that you?
1: I, I do play patience. I play patience. I actually, it's one of my things that I use at night time to switch my brain off. And I know you're not meant to have the phone in bed and the blue light. No, no, light. I do
0: patience at night.
1: But that's my, you know. So if I finished whatever it is, I I do try and I do try and read. I'm, I'm very big in um, feeding my brain um, yeah. and feeding it good stuff. Um, so not and,
0: fiction. You're reading good, proper
1: yeah, business books yeah. and things. Most of the time, it's got. I mean, I'm I'm reading. Um, oh. I knew I was going to. Uh, what's it's called? No, um, no, it's
0: all right. I'm not going to put you on the spot. No, I can't
1: remember. <laughs> it's called big magic. But you're reading good business. It's called Big huh? Magic. You know, at the uh, Big Magic. So, what, uh, Elizabeth, what was her name that she wrote Eat, Pray, Love? Gilbert. Yes, Elizabeth Gilbert. So, um, right. Uh, and I'm, and again, that is all. That that is also helping me. Um, I suppose supporting the process of creativity. So yeah. So I whilst that's, you know, it's not a business book, I treat it as a supportive component to my business. So
0: Yeah, no, that's great. Well what an interesting woman you are. What can I say? No, well, I didn't even so, tell you Melissa, about this.
1: The the, I know the we could, three we could businesses go for another.
0: that we've yeah. I know. Well that's it. We need another hour now. Um I'll have to get you back another time. But Thank you very much. Now, if anyone wants to get hold of you, what is the best way to get hold of you? At Big Fish events? Yeah,
1: at Big Fish events, um, you know, my email and my mobile are uh, um, are on our website. And I do, I say this all the time, if somebody wants to be brave enough to pick up the phone direct, that's why my phone numbers and, you know, contact details are on there, then I will answer your call. So,
0: Well, I always say to people, if you can find people that'll answer the call, then definitely ring them because you can get through so much and get answers straight away. And, you know, just suss someone out, whether they, you know, you reach out to someone and you have no idea via email if they're looking at it going, oh, my God, who is that person? Or if they go, oh, that's quite interesting. Mm. But you can immediately suss that on the phone with someone.
1: Well, it tells you know, me something. You when
0: they something. go, oh, right, yes, if you're quick, what is it? Yes, yeah. yes, what? You're like, all right, I'm off.
1: But I'll give someone half an hour of my time any day, every day, because I had a few of those opportunities along the way. Um, I, You know, I haven't had a lot of mentors necessarily in my life or women in business that have um, been in that supportive mode. There are a couple. But if you're brave enough to pick up the phone and ask for half an hour of my time, I will give it to you. And let me tell you, Jules, there aren't too many that are that brave out there, so...
0: Well, let's see whether if well, let's see. Firstly, if anyone listens to these, and secondly, if you get some phone calls on the back of it, there we go. You'll have to let me know. Well, look, thank you so so much. It's been brilliant, and um, I hope that uh, you have a great business life going forward. But you will, I'm sure, because you don't give up.
1: Well, no, and we're only halfway through, so
0: that's right. Barely touching the sides so far. Here comes the revolution. That's what I say.
1: I'm happy to be on the women's revolution. Watch this space.
0: All right, honey, thank you very much. Speak to you later. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed this She's the Boss chat episode. It was great to have you here. If you want to stay in touch, you might also like some of the other things that we've got going on with She's the Boss. Firstly, I've got the She's the Boss show, which is on Ticker TV. Now you can watch that either on tickertv.com.au or you can download the Ticker app from any of the app stores, so Apple and Android, and they've got an app that is for your phone, for your iPad or tablet, and for the smart TV. Or you could join us for our free Zoom lunches for female founders that we hold online, the best way to do any of these things really is go to shestheboss.com.au and on there you can register for the lunches and I've also got links to the website. So either way, I hope you've enjoyed it. I'm really enjoying digging down and getting down to the nitty gritty with these women and I hope you'll join me for the next episode.